What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What is up, divers? I hope you guys just crushed your week's hope. If you guys needed anybody in the Monday night game, which we're about to get to, to pull through for you that they did. If you had Justin Jefferson, probably looking pretty good. If you had anyone else, probably not so much. Adam Thielen did have his two touchdowns, so if you needed him to go off too, you're probably looking good there as well. But let's get into that game. The Bears versus the Vikings. And honestly, there's not much to note at all. I mean, if you're just watching that game, all right, Jefferson, Thielen, they had good games. It was a tough matchup, so somewhat surprising. Yes, it was Dalvin Cook who ended up having the bad game. And on the Bears side of the ball, I mean, Foles gets hurt. Maybe Trubisky in Superflex Leagues is worth a pickup, but it would at most be a one-week rental because they are on bye now. And it's very possible Foles is back and doesn't actually miss any time. So there's not much on the Bears side of the ball. I mean, Allen Robinson is still going to be your fringe wide receiver one wide receiver two just because of targets he did not do as well as i was hoping he would do this game that's for sure it was a juicy juicy matchup and he didn't really come through to you know a wide receiver one degree but it is what it is and there's not much from this game to talk about but there is something that i do want to talk about and it's not you know a hundred percent for sure yet but i may have a logo change coming up We'll see. It's still going to be deep dive. I'm trying to work uh, some stuff out right now. Uh, My dad's actually a professional photographer. He deals with Photoshop all the time. So me and him have been collabing for the past like hour and a half on a new logo. We're trying to come up with something nice. And the big reason why is, look, I love the logo I have now. I might even keep it for the podcast. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But I'm trying to come up with a logo that just looks simple and clean on apparel because I want to start making some hats. I already have a couple. I want to make some more hats, some shirts. You know, I want to get some apparel pumping out that I can send to you guys, and I could also just have for myself. Rep the Deep Dive Squad, baby. And uh, so, yeah, I'm working on a logo, but aside from that, just keep your your eyes out. If you see a logo change, uh, don't be like, yo, what is this? I'm not subscribed to this. That's me. Don't worry about it. Um, So, yeah, we're going to see if, if we can find something fancy, but... With that said, and the Monday game recap out the way because there wasn't really that much to recap there, let's go into the thrifty Thursday trick in a shootout. In a shootout today, hopefully. Hopefully a shootout. That is Alex Collins for the Seahawks. Look, Chris Carson's questionable. If he comes back, Alex Collins, if he's on your waiver, if Chris Carson comes back, he gets hurt, Alex Collins is going to be a hot pickup once again. So if somebody dropped him because Chris Carson's coming back, then pick him up, drop your kicker. If Chris Carson goes down, Alex Collins seems to be the guy that they were committing to. Now, maybe Hyde is the guy because Hyde's starting to get healthy again too. We'll see what happens there. But Alex Collins is worth the Thrifty Thursday trick. But the guy I would be more interested in would be Andy Isabella. If Christian Kirk goes down or DeAndre Hopkins goes down, there's got to be another wide receiver there in that offense that's going to step up. I personally think Andy Isabella would be the one to do so. So, He's also worth one, but honestly, this these two teams, 
you know, they have their identities on offense. And unless a injury comes about, sometimes, you know, we have thrifty Thursday tricks that you pick them up in case they go off and maybe they can become a stronger part of the offense. That's not going to happen here. These guys have their offenses built out in Seattle and Arizona. They're both great offenses. So not, you know, a crazy thrifty Thursday trick, but, you know, some somewhat notable names there. Then let's get into the starts and DFS plays. And I'm going to hit you guys with one right in tonight's game. I'm going back to the well, Christian Kirk. Look, it is hard to run versus Seattle. Now, they have given up some points to the fantasy football running backs, mainly because of receptions to the running back position and because of touchdowns. But in terms of general offense, Seattle is not the most friendly defense to run against. They are, however, the number one most friendly defense to pass the ball against. Christian Kirk, look, I thought they were going to be throwing the ball a whole bunch versus the Bills. I didn't think they were going to dominate the Bills on the ground. But the Seattle defense is not going to allow them to dominate on the ground. They're going to make Kyler Murray throw it, whether because Seattle's up and they're making the Cardinals play comeback or because, you know, that's just the best way to beat that defense. So I really, really do believe that Christian Kirk is going to have a good week this week, just like I did last week. Last week, obviously, the game script didn't turn out the way I thought. But even if you just look at his last game versus Seattle, it was pretty good. I believe he had two touchdowns, only like 30-something yards. But he still had the two touchdowns, and I'm sure he's going to get plenty involved in this game. So I really like Christian Kirk versus Seahawks. And going to another start, Antonio Brown versus the Rams. Antonio Brown is going to be the guy that Jalen Ramsey is definitely not on. Jalen Ramsey is going to be on the outside. He's probably going to be on Mike Evans most of the game. It's also possible that he travels and, you know, between Godwin and Evans, and so he's also on Godwin. But he will not be on Antonio Brown. And if he is, it's probably just going to be a couple snaps. Antonio Brown is probably going to be the easiest person to find for Brady in this game because they are going to be focused on Evans and Godwin. Like I said, Ramsey's a perfect matchup type of corner to guard Evans. And then Godwin destroyed the Rams last year. And I'm sure they're not going to forget about that. So those two guys are going to be the main focuses of that defense. I think Antonio Brown is going to be a sneaky, really good play this week. So I like him a lot in DFS. And if you have him in a lineup and you don't have amazing receivers to start above him, go ahead and start him this week. I think it's going to be a good week for you. Now, let's just move real quick, coming back to tonight's game, to a sit. And that's Kenyon Drake versus Seahawks. Like I just said, they're not the best defense to run the ball against. Plus, Chase Edmonds is the receiving back there. And the points that Seahawks have given up to running backs has been in the receiving game to running backs. So we know that's not Kenyon Drake. So if any running back has a good day versus Seattle, it's probably going to be Edmonds unless Drake stumbles into touchdowns. But he has not done great this season at getting those touchdowns. So I'm not super excited to see that. So I'm sitting Kenyon Drake, if you can, in this game versus Seahawks. Now, moving back to a start, let's talk about Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, the two Washington football team players, still sounds so weird to say, versus Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have allowed the second most points in the league to fantasy football tight ends. Logan Thomas was one of the highest scoring tight ends last week. He has been getting a decent amount of targets, decent amount of yards. He hasn't had the touchdowns fall his way that could easily change. If a touchdown lands his way, add that onto his yards. After Travis Kelsey and probably Darren Waller, he could be the tight end three on the week easily. So I like Logan Thomas a lot in this matchup. And then Terry McLaurin, obviously, he is unguardable. We talked about this on the Tuesday Recap Podcast. You cannot guard my man Terry McLaurin. 
unless you're committing PIs and whatnot. But he is going to be the main outlet as he has this whole season. Him and J.D. McKissick have been the number one and number two targeted people on that team. So I really like McLaurin versus the Bengals. It's an easy matchup. And I expect the Bengals to put up some points, especially after coming off that you know really bad game versus Pittsburgh. I expect them to come out firing. And if they're putting up points, Alex Smith is going to have to try to match it, and he's going to use McLaurin and Thomas to do so. So I like both of those guys' starts this week. Another guy I really like, Jalen Rager versus the Browns. The Browns have allowed a lot of points to the wide receivers. If you guys remember last week's podcast before I knew about the weather in the Cleveland-Houston game, I was really excited for Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller because of the matchup. So I'm coming back to the same matchup, except the weather I actually checked this time is going to be good in this game. So Jalen Rager leading the Eagles in targets two weeks in a row, I believe, is going to be a good play versus the Browns. Then we have, uh, I love and hate to say this at the same time, Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston versus the Falcons. The Falcons are number one in most points allowed to the fantasy football quarterback. Jameis Winston, as a starting quarterback in fantasy, usually puts up top five quarterback numbers. Now, he doesn't have the same offense, and he doesn't have the same scheme. And that's something that we're going to monitor and talk about later on because it's completely different from the offense he was running in Tampa Bay, both under Cutter and under... Oh boy, I cannot even remember. You know, oh, obviously, Bruce Arians. Jeez. All right, you could just ignore that. Just ignore that. Obviously, Cutter and uh, Bruce Arians have been the offenses he's ran in the past for the Bucks, And their downfield vertical schemes, that's not anywhere close to what he's going to be doing in New Orleans. Most likely, maybe, they change the offense. We'll see. So that's something interesting. But either way, versus the Falcons, quarterbacks have done amazing, obviously, first points allowed. So Jameis Winston, who's always been good as a starter, he has weapons in Kamara and Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, if you want to count him too. Also Jared Cook. So he's got decent weapons. He's got a better line in New Orleans than he ever did in Tampa Bay. So I expect Jameis to be a top five quarterback play this week. Yes, I said it, top five. Mike Davis versus the Lions. The Lions are first in points allowed to the running backs in fantasy football. And Christian McCaffrey has just been declared out. So Mike Davis is also going to be a really solid play versus the Lions. And you know what? If Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play, that might, might, might help Mike Davis because they're just going to have to run the ball a little bit more because they got a quarterback in there who's not experienced. Whether it's the PJ guy or it's Will Greer, it's probably going to be PJ just like he came in for Teddy Bridgewater in the last game, but we'll see. I think Mike Davis might get extra work, and it's a great matchup, so I like Mike Davis a lot. Then I got Damian Harris as a start versus the Texans. The Texans are third in most points allowed to the running backs, and Damian Harris has been on a tear. He's been absolutely amazing. Maybe not for fantasy purposes, but as a running back, he's been extremely efficient. He's really helped that New England offense, and he has that number one role in the running back room on lockdown. Lockdown. So I like Damian Harris a lot versus the Texans. Then in the same game, same side of the ball, Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers has been great. Julian Edelman is still on IR. Nikhil Harry played last week, but you wouldn't know it because he got zero targets. And that makes me really like Jacoby Myers versus the Texans. Chris Conley versus the Steelers, DFS only. All right, this is not me telling you to start Chris Conley in your regular leagues. If you're playing DFS, he's worth a shot, just like I thought he was last week. And last week, he led the team, the Jaguars. He led them in targets. He just didn't pull through because that whole offense was garbage. And Keelan Cole was the one who got the receiving touchdown. And then he also had a return touchdown. So when you look at Keelan Cole and you see the two touchdowns, by the way, those are both not receiving touchdowns. So 
don't think that he's like the wide receiver to own there outside of Chark. So I think it's still Chris Conley. So I like Chris Conley versus the Steelers as a DFS play in tournaments or whatnot. Then on the other side of the ball, James Conner versus the Jaguars. James Conner has had, I think, two bad games in a row. And some people are starting to get worried about James Conner. I would not be worried because this should be a slam matchup for him. The Steelers are probably going to be up. Hopefully they're up. Actually, hopefully not, and we'll get to why later. But the Steelers, um, they're probably going to be winning this game the whole time. And this doesn't have to be a big game, a Big Ben game. This could easily be a James Conner run the ball out, control the clock, punish the defense that doesn't have a good run defense with James Conner type of game. And I think that's what it will be. So that's why I really like James Conner versus the Jags. It's a great matchup. He should get the touches. He should get some red zone looks and have a good chance to score a couple touchdowns. Then we got Kalen Balaj. All right. Kalen Balaj has an amazing matchup. Seventh most points allowed to the running back position. Also, you're talking about game script and 16 and 15 points in the last two weeks. I expect the Miami Dolphins to be up in this game. I expect them to just run, run, run. And that's going to be great for Kalen Balaj. So the amount of touches he's going to get, the fact that they're probably going to be winning most of the game, and the fact that he's put up 16 and 15 points in the last two weeks tells me Kalen Balaj is a great play this week. Now we got three more, actually two more starts, and then we're going to get to the rest of the sits. We already talked about Kenyon Drake there. Justin Jefferson versus the Cowboys. He hasn't been reliable. Every There's a pattern, actually. There's a pattern showing for Justin Jefferson. He's really good one out of every three weeks. He has one good game, two bad games. One good game, two bad games. He just had the one good game. So if you're following the pattern, then it's a sit. But I'm not looking at stuff like that. I'm not looking at the pattern. It's not some just like simple, oh, just follow the pattern. You know, some people, uh, you know, it's it's funny because Matt Ryan always has this pattern as well, but it's always continuing uh, from season to season. So that's actually a pattern you follow, but it's because of how the offensive coordinators come in and out, in and out. So there are patterns that do continue, but it's not because it's a pattern. It's what's causing the pattern, right? There's nothing causing this pattern, nothing that I noticed to cause this pattern. So Justin Jefferson, he's going to be fine versus the Cowboys. The Cowboys... Coming off a bye, they've had two weeks to look at this Minnesota defense. And Andy Dalton is coming back. He's an experienced quarterback. I expect him to be able to move the ball at least somewhat with all the weapons he has there, despite the offensive line being really bad. So they might be able to put up some points. And the Vikings are going to have to keep pace. I do think the Vikings are going to win this game. But Justin Jefferson, he's got a great matchup. And I expect them to have to score a little bit in this game. So I like it. Then the last one, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire versus the Raiders. This is more of a gut check for me. This is not so much a I have analysis for you uh, or you know some specific reason why I think Clyde is a great start. It's a gut check for me, and I think Clyde's going to go off, and here's why. They're playing the Raiders. The Chiefs lost to the Raiders earlier in the season. The Chiefs and the Raiders are in the same division, and the Raiders, if they win this game, will be one game. I think one. I'm pretty sure they would be one game back from Kansas City. Because I'm pretty sure Kansas City just had their bye, right? The Bucks are 7-3, and three, so there's been 10 weeks in the season. Yeah, so Kansas City, they just had their bye. Yes, that's a look into my thought process. You know, sometimes I just like to say my thoughts out loud for you guys. Um, but uh, anyways, the Chiefs are 8-1. and one. They've played 9 games. The Raiders are 6-3. and three. If the Raiders win this game, it'll be 8-2 and two for the Chiefs, 7-3 and three for the Raiders. They're one game back. And they have the tiebreak. 
on the Chiefs if they win this game. So this is probably the biggest game of the season for the Chiefs. The Broncos don't stand a chance in in the division. The Chargers don't stand a chance in the division, but the Raiders do. And the Chiefs know that they need to do everything that they can to win this game. They need to get the ball into the hands of their best playmakers. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is clearly, bar none, their best running back. He is so much better than any of their other running backs, in my opinion. It is not close, and I'm sure they believe that as well. What's part of the reason that he hasn't been getting crazy touches the past few weeks? Probably because the Chiefs are dominating everybody all the time, and they don't need to. But if this is a must-win game, they need to get Clyde going early and keep him going through the game. Help, Let him help you win this game. And also, it's really good to get Clyde going before the playoffs because once playoffs come, you're playing your best players all the time, and you want Clyde to be as comfortable as possible when it gets to that point. Now, that does wrap up my starts of the week. But for your information, Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift are always going to be starts. They've both been in my starts of the week for like, I don't know, quite a while now. Rest of season, they are starts. And I think it's so obvious that I can't put them in this column anymore because if you think about it, do I ever say start uh, Michael Thomas or start... That's a bad example because he's been hurt. Um, <laughs> so let me think of something else. Do I ever say start Stefan Diggs? Do I ever say start Calvin Ridley? Start DK Metcalf? I never tell you to start all the obvious guys. And I'm at the point where I think Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift are pretty obvious, so I'm not going to tell you guys to start them anymore. Just start them. They're beasts. They're getting the workload. Just start them. Now let's go to the sits. We already already started talking about Kenyon Drake versus Seahawks. Now let's talk about Jared Goff versus my very own Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That offense, I've said it a million times, I'll say it one more time, has already been struggling this entire season they look bad it they just you just watch and the eye test tells you they are failing and now they're going to play the tampa bay buccaneers defense which is pretty good pretty pretty good doesn't allow much points to any fantasy football position in fact and the rams love to run the ball when they get close to the goal line you know the running backs had three touchdowns last week versus the seahawks and, you know, Jared Goff would lead him down the field, get them down there. He had good yards. I think he was, like, just around 300 yards. And he had, you know, he was struggling in the touchdown column because they just kept running it. I don't think he had any touchdowns, if I remember correctly. And, yeah, so if they're just going to keep running the ball in the red zone, that's not good for Goff, especially versus the Tampa defense. It will be interesting to see, though, if they choose to do that versus Tampa because Tampa's defense is good overall, but it's much better versus the run. So it will be curious to see if he keeps that trend going, talking about Sean McVay. We'll see. And then we got Chubb and Hunt, the two Browns running backs. Look, obviously you're not sitting them. The running back landscape is completely demolished. But in DFS, stay away from these guys. They're playing the Eagles. Just lower your expectations. The Eagles have a pretty decent run defense. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game by any means. So I really am trying to stay away from Chubb and Hunt this week. Todd Gurley and uh, is playing against the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are 31st in points allowed to the running back. That is the second hardest team, and the hardest team is the Steelers. But the game script also is something that's probably going to hurt Gurley. Unless Gurley stumbles into touchdowns, which he's done in a couple bad matchups, so he's ended up doing well because he stumbled into those touchdowns. But I never like to rely on that. You shouldn't either. Todd Gurley should be somebody on your bench versus New Orleans because they got the second best run defense in the league and even with Jameis Winston at the helm unless he's turning the ball over like the Jameis of old 
which I mean is very possible, but I think that uh, Sean McVay is going to, or not Sean McVay, sorry, Sean Payton is going to put together a game plan that makes it very, very simple and is not going to ask Jameis to do too much in terms of like huge big throws, which is where he always causes his interceptions. I'm sure it's going to be somewhat similar to what Drew Brees has been doing and the scheme they've been running for him, short intermediate throws. And I, you know, I think James is still going to have a great day, but I think it, it just won't be the same type of, uh, let's see, path, the same type of path to get to that great day as we're used to seeing with Jameis. So I don't expect a whole bunch of easy short fields for Atlanta, and it's going to be very hard for them to move the ball. And if they do move the ball, they're going to have to do it through the air with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, who's questionable, but I'm pretty sure he's going to play. Then James Robinson versus Steelers. I just told you who was the first defense, the hardest defense versus the running backs. If it wasn't the Saints who were second, it was the Steelers, right? James Robinson is going up against the Steelers. And this is probably going to be another one. Bad game script for James Robinson. He's probably not going to be able to get a whole bunch of carries. The Steelers are probably going to be up early. Hopefully not, though. Hopefully not. There's always a chance. You know, the NFL is crazy. They talk about, you know, you talk about betting. You talk about fantasy football. The reason we love it is because it is so difficult. And even the best of the best. I think, like, I saw some stat, something crazy, that, like, the most accurate NFL or fantasy football analyst last year on start sit was, like, 67%. 67%. That's three out of five. He was only getting three out of five questions, right? Not even, because three out of five is 60%. So, um, you know, a little bit more than that, maybe like three point, whatever, three out of five, whatever, you get the point. It's very difficult, very difficult to predict football because it's one game and there are so many different factors involved. That's why we love it. And the reason I was talking about this is because I think the Jaguars, and we'll talk about this later, have a small chance very small chance to win this game, and I think it's kind of a trap game that nobody's paying attention to, but we'll talk about that in a second. Now, the Packers sit all of them. Well, not sit all of them. Lower all your expectations on them versus the Colts. Aaron Rodgers not touching in DFS. Devontae Adams not touching in DFS. Aaron Jones, guess what? Not touching. You got it in DFS. So not touching the Packers. It's a really good defense that the Colts have there. And it's going to be a rough day for the Packers. I do think the Packers are going to win slightly. I think it's going to be a close one. But, um, yeah, I'm not touching those guys. And now let's talk about three upsets against the spread. So this has been a very difficult segment for me. And, obviously, it's because it's supposed to be difficult. I'm picking teams that Vegas has favored to lose, not only to cover, but to win outright. So, obviously, this is a very difficult section. But here are my three upsets against the spread this week. The Bengals versus the Redskins. The Redskins, uh, I keep saying Redskins. The Washington football team is favored against the Bengals. I think the Bengals have a decent shot at winning this game. So that's one upset against the spread. Then we got the Falcons versus the Saints. You always have the Jameis Winston factor. I don't think he's going to be a turnover machine. But the possibility does exist. And the Falcons have an offense. And it's a divisional game. Divisional games are very likely to go, you know, be not what you expect and go crazy in either direction of a blowout or not a blowout, but just like, yeah, let me let me rescind those words. Not a blowout. Divisional games are usually close. What I was trying to say is that a lot of times it can go the exact opposite uh, direction you would think. You know, you have teams that are clearly worse winning. A lot of people thought the Eagles were going to handle the Giants this past week. The Giants handled the Eagles pretty well. And, you know, you see stuff like that all the time. So 
Divisional game, it could go either direction. I like taking underdogs in division games, especially if they have the offense that the Falcons have put together. So, And you have a quarterback that might turn it over on the other side in Jameis Winston. So I like the Falcons. And then the last upset against the spread, I told you guys I think this team is going to win. The Packers versus the Colts. The Colts are favored by three, which is very surprising to me. And, I mean, they have a great defense, but I don't know. The Packers' offense is pretty, pretty good. And I don't really believe in the Colts' offense, especially because they can't get Jonathan Taylor going. And the other running backs are good, good enough to keep Jonathan Taylor from getting a huge workload. But they're not good enough to just, like, control a game. So even though the weakness in the Packers' defense is their run game, I don't think that the Colts' run game is good enough to just completely exploit it. And that's why I think the Packers are going to win this game. I And I would bet on it if it was, like, a 50-50. If it was a pick game, I would take the Packers. But the Colts are favored, so I really like that upset against the spread. Now let's talk about the thing that I keep saying. Oh, we'll talk about this later. Talk about this later. This is Survivor Picks. Guys, we are in the top 2.5% in DraftKings. There is less than 15,000 people remaining. And it started at 540,000. And we're in the top 15,000 if you've been making picks with me. So... And I'm doing better than I was last year. Last year, I got to the top 5% and got knocked out. Right now, we're in the top 2.5%. So I have a huge dilemma, and we're going to think it out together. All right, we got two games to choose from, in my opinion, for the survivor pick. You can either, or we can either go the Pittsburgh Steelers versus Jacksonville Jaguars. That should be a lock. The Steelers are favored by 10 in Vegas. That should be a lock. But... There's a couple things that make me hesitant. One, and I actually put a pretty cool thread out there on Twitter. I I have to recheck it after I'm done recording. But one, do we think the Steelers are a good enough team to be 10-0? They're 9-0 right now. If they win this game, they're 10-0. I don't think the Steelers are that good. Now, you can't obviously just apply that thinking because you're going week by week. And the pass doesn't necessarily affect this game. And the record doesn't necessarily affect this game. But it's just, it's so hard for me to, to think of these Steelers as being a 15-0, 16-0 team. And you look at the rest of their games. Do you think, and this was in my poll, do you think the Steelers are going to finish the season at 15-1 or 16-0? If your answer is no, then they have to lose games at some point, right? Why can we not imagine them losing losing to the Jaguars? They have the Ravens next week. It's very possible the Steelers are looking at that matchup against the Ravens. They beat the Ravens the last time, right? They want to sweep the Ravens. The division is at stake versus the Ravens. So it's very, very possible that they're looking too far ahead and that the players are worried about next week. And they look at this Jaguars team and they're like, dude, this is a gimme. Let's prepare for the real opponent. And the Jaguars might steal it from them, from right under their nose. It's a possibility. I'm not saying I'm calling for it, but it's a possibility. So that's one reason, a possible upset. One reason I want to stay away from them. Another reason is that we either take the Steelers now, and in two weeks, so not next week, but two weeks, um, we could take the Raiders versus the Jets. So that's one possibility. Steelers now versus the Jaguars, and then the Raiders versus the Jets, or... The pick I think I'm going to go with this week, the Vikings versus the Cowboys, and then we could take the Steelers versus Washington right after they play the Ravens, and I think they're going to lose. I really believe the Steelers lose either this game versus the Jaguars or the next game versus the Ravens. I don't think they come out of this unscathed 
unscathed at 11 and 0. I cannot talk today. Sorry about that, guys. Um, but yeah, they're not going to come out unscathed at 11 and 0. That would blow my mind. And knowing that they're going to lose one of these next two games, or at least being very confident that that's the case, they're going to be pissed off and they're going to get their mind right and they're going to destroy Washington. And they have the best D-line in the league. Washington has a really, really bad O-line. And Alex Smith is not very mobile. So the Steelers are going to destroy Washington. They're probably going to beat Washington by a lot more than they beat the Jaguars. So I'm inclined to keep the Steelers for that Washington game. And I would rather play the Vikings versus the Cowboys than the Jets versus the uh, than the Raiders versus the Jets because as the Jets, you know, we're talking three weeks from now or two weeks from now from this week, the Jets might get better and better. I mean, Darnold will be back. They've got Perryman involved. He's been healthy. Denzel Mims is coming along, looking good. Jameson Crowder's still there. Maybe they fire Adam Gase. Probably not. They said they wouldn't, and if they're trying to tank, they probably won't. But there's just that Raiders team scares me. They have a really bad defense. The Jets offense is starting to get a little bit better. If Becton stops getting nicked up and gets a healthier where he's playing all the downs, that will help a, a big amount too. So I don't know if the Raiders versus the Jets is just an absolute gimme. And I really think that the Vikings are just going to walk all over the Cowboys this week. So it is it risky? It is. But the last reason that I want to go with the Vikings versus the Cowboys instead of the Steelers versus the Jaguars Guys, deviate. Deviate from the pack. We're talking about, right now, there being just about 14,000 people left. And there's a million-dollar pot. If it got split right now, everyone's getting $70. 70 I could care less about $70. Actually, like that's that's a really good amount of money um, <laughs> for like a college student. But um, just forget about that for a second. We're talking $70 versus the million dollar pot if we deviate and we go vikings and the steelers lose this game i bet you half of the pool gets eliminated because i was looking at how many people have taken the steelers so far this season not that many and last week when we took the packers 56 percent of the people took the packers so we were in line with a bunch of people so it helped us because it helped us move on yes but it didn't help us because not many people got eliminated last week so you want the opportunity to move on without it uh, like ruining your chances of trimming down the pool. So that's why I want to deviate here because I would bet you that the Steelers are going to be 35 plus percent of the survivor picks this week. And if they lose and we'll have something to root for, we can root for them to lose. That'll be super awesome. Then that would immediately like double our profits and you know, of like who's left and how much money we would get. So I really am going to go with the Vikings. Uh, let's lock it in. Get ready for the thump. Boom. There we go. That is me, Deep Dive Fantasy Football, Brandon Gabor, locking in the Vikings versus the Cowboys. It's risky. It's riskier than the Steelers game. But my gut is telling me, man, you don't want to touch the Steelers this week. You don't want to touch them. So I'm going to go with the Vikings versus the Cowboys. And I think the Vikings pull that out. They're at 4-5 and five right now. They have a shot to get into the playoffs because they're playing the Cowboys. That might bring them to 5-5. Five and five. Then the Panthers. And then what's their next game? I think, oh, the Jaguars. The Panthers and then the Jaguars. So they have some easy matchups coming up. They could easily become 7-5 and five and have a chance to get into the playoffs. They know that. They know what they're fighting for. So I really think that they're going to beat the Cowboys despite the Cowboys having come off the bye and having two weeks to prepare for the Vikings. With that said... 
that brings us, guys, to the end of the podcast. Oh, actually, sorry. No, it doesn't. <laughs> we got our defensive streamers and situations to monitor. So our first defensive streamer, the Chargers versus the Jets. All right, that's just obvious. Great matchup. The Dolphins versus the Broncos. All right, and remember, I was telling you guys about Kalen Balazs. They're playing the Broncos. I think they're going to be up, controlling the clock. The Broncos have not been playing good on offense. The Dolphins' defense has been amazing. So that's why I like Balazs so much this week. And I really think the Dolphins' defense is going to be a great streamer. And then you got the Washington football team versus Dallas. Or wait, that's not what I meant to put. I meant to put uh, versus Cincinnati just because that offensive line is so messed up in Cincinnati right now. And the Washington D-line is great. So I think they're going to give Joe Burrow trouble. Maybe they'll get a couple interceptions or fumbles or whatnot. Maybe it'll just be a low-scoring game. We'll see. I, I don't think it will be, like I told you guys earlier. But it's, you know, we're talking about streamers. And there's not that many great defenses on the waiver wire. If that's one of them, that's a pretty decent play. I'm playing them in like three or four of my 11 leagues. So definitely worth a look there. And then situations to monitor, not too many this week. Rams running back touches. Is Cam Akers going to lead the running back room in touches again? How are they all going to look versus a tough Bucks run defense? And how often do they throw once they get into the red zone versus the Bucks? Jameis Winston, is he going to be heaving the ball downfield like he always did, whether it was Dirk Cutter's offense in Tampa or Bruce Arians' offense in Tampa? That's what his arm indicates is a good strategy for Jameis Winston. He has the arm to do it. He has His accuracy is very spotty, but when he's accurate, he can do it very well put the ball in great spots or is he going to play like breeze and you know what's the reason that the new orleans saints have the scheme they do do they have the scheme because it's successful and that's why breeze is in that scheme or do they have the scheme because that's the only thing that breeze can do because breeze can't throw the ball downfield and that's why they have that scheme because they're morphing it to their quarterback a lot of coaches the best of the best uh, morph their offense or their defense around their players right they mold it around their players. If James Swinson is the player now, he's a very different quarterback from Drew Brees. So it'll be interesting to see if the offensive philosophy gets molded around James Winston until Brees is back, or if he just tries to force Winston a square into a circle hole, which is, you know, checking down and being smart and making smart decisions. So we'll see, because that's not the guy James is. So it'll be interesting. Something to monitor there. And then the triple C's in Jacksonville. I'm talking Jark. Conley, Cole, the three receivers, who is going to lead in targets? Conley, over the last two weeks, has had a lot of targets, I think eight and seven. He led the the team last week in targets. He was second behind Chark the week before. It'll be interesting to see. And mainly, it's really Chris Conley versus Keelan Cole, because I don't expect him to be like the number one in tar targets over DJ Chark. I think that was just a fluke last week, but we'll see between all of those guys where the ball's going with Luton. And then lastly, the Chiefs running back touches in a super important game. It is a must win for Kansas City. Who are they going to trust to give the ball to the most? If we don't see Clyde getting a whole bunch of touches in this game compared to the other running backs, and that's the important part, compared to the other running backs, then he's not going to be as good as I thought he was the rest of the season. You know, I was calling for him as a bylaw. I still think he's a back-end RB1, but top end rb2 but if he's not getting touches in this game then he's probably just a back end rb2 rest of the season which would be super disappointing that's not what i expected but we'll see that's the last thing to monitor and with that said 
Guys, if you like the podcast, drop me a rating, drop me a review. If you want me to answer a question on the pod, you guys can write that in the review. You can put the five stars. Hopefully, you guys want to give me five stars. But, you know, put whatever stars you want to give me. Be honest. You know, I'm trying to get better, just like all of us are trying to get better in everything we do. So I don't mind constructive criticism. And then drop a question in the review, and I will answer it on the podcast for you. I'll give you a little shout out. Um, you know, give you some incentive to drop a review for me. And with that said, guys, good luck this week. I hope your NFL team kills it unless your NFL team is the Rams because obviously my Bucks need to get this win and go to 8-3. and three. Ooh, it would be so sweet. So sweet. And I'm hoping for it. And I think the Bucks are going to win this game. I really do. Um, you know, I don't think that the Rams can match up with the Bucks. And lastly, for my people that are cross-sport fans and not just NFL fans, I'm a Magic fan, and so because the Magic don't have a top 10 pick, and I'm recording this on Wednesday, so we'll know who was picked. Um, I obviously am not recording at the time that the draft has started because the NBA draft is yesterday for you guys if you're listening on Thursday, but it was on Wednesday, and um, I'm really hoping the Magic in the teens can get this point guard from uh, North Carolina called Cole Anthony or named Cole Anthony. He is a beast. I think he's going to be a sleeper in this draft. And I just wanted to say it somewhere. And obviously, I don't have a basketball podcast. And I dabble in basketball. I'm really just a Magic fan. I'm not like a hardcore NBA fan. I'm just a Magic fan. And then I watch all the NBA teams once it's in in the playoffs. But Cole Anthony, guys, you heard it here first. He is going to be a sleeper. And he's going to be a steal in this draft. Point guard from North Carolina. He's got a nice shot. He's pretty much very well-rounded on offense. He's an undersized guy, so I think that's part of the reason that he's being slept on. But yeah, super random, right? Fantasy Football Podcast. Brandon, what are you doing? We don't care about the NBA. Maybe some of you guys do, but I do, and it's the end of the podcast, so you could have turned it off if you didn't want to hear it. But yeah, Cole Anthony's going to be a steal, just like Donovan Mitchell was a couple years back in the teens of the first round in the NBA draft. Because if you guys follow the NBA, you know the top five picks is like the first round of the NFL. You know, good players, you'll hit on a good amount of them. And then picks like 6 through 10 is the second round. And then after that, you're talking third, fourth round players in terms of the NFL relative to the NBA. So it's a tough place to pick, but I'm excited for it. And uh, yeah, hopefully the Magic can get Cole Anthony or trade up and get like Anthony Edwards or something. But with that said, uh, as you can see, I'm a very uh, hometown type of person. I like my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like the Tampa Bay Lightning, like the Tampa Bay Rays, even though I hate baseball. And I like the Orlando Magic. So with that said, there's some insight into your host, Brandon Gabor. Have a good one, guys. Wish you luck this week. Go kill it. And uh, hopefully I will be talking to you guys on Tuesday. Peace.